Good morning, good morning. Thank you for that warm welcome, and I warmly welcome you back. Uh, if you're here for the first time, just wave your hand at me real quick. I just want to say hi. God bless you. Thanks for being here. First timers here. God bless you. It's good to see you today. DB, I saw you wave your hand. Good to see you. And to all those that are online, my name's TJ. I'm the lead pastor along with my wife, Carissa. Uh, and a great set of team and an honor to be here. What a holy moment to be able to meet in a sacred place and take a few minutes to acknowledge uh, who Jesus is in our life. So we want to do that. If you turn your attention to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. If you don't have a Bible, we have a cheat sheet for you. It's going to pop up on the screen. Um, if some of the verses are wrong or if they put up the wrong one, maybe you should carry your Bible. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? This is Jesus talking. So he answered and said, the lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes into this story in verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds and pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, the one who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Today I want to use a double barrel spiritual shotgun and shoot at the church, the saved, and to also, well, it doesn't sound nice to shoot the lost, right? Okay, we're not gonna shoot you. Think of a better analogy. I have a word for everybody, amen? Today I wanna preach to you about the main thing. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We ask that you open our hearts to receive from your word because we know your word brings forth much and good fruit. So we just open our hearts, give us ears to hear, give us the understanding to receive and we'll do that today. In Jesus name we pray and everybody said, amen. You can be seated today. I like to start off by uh, talking about one of my childhood favorite foods. One of my childhood favorite foods, it's not that complicated, it's pizza. On the count of three, even online, I want you to name your favorite pizza spot when I say three. One, two, three. 
I heard my wife, she said Bronx. She, so everybody here, Bronx wins. Give it up for Bronx. My wife's a little bit more bougie, though, because uh, uh, I'm a little bit more simple. I'm more of a Pizza Hut guy. Was there any other? I worked at Pizza Hut. I was a Pizza Hut delivery driver. Proud to be. My car smelled like pizza all the time. I had a hopper put on top of my car. It lit up. I was the Pizza Hut driver of the year. No one gave me that award. I just gave it to myself right now. But hey, so the thing about pizza, I like to keep it simple. I love melted cheese on bread, and we call that pizza. But Pizza Hut took it to another level. They came and they introduced uh, one time in history this thing called stuffed crust pizza. And that's the cheese in the crust. So you got the hot cheese. I know some people like different toppings, but I just like a cheese pizza. But a stuffed crust cheese pizza because it's cheese in the crust with some like garlic butter on the crust. And then uh, they said, hey, would you like marinara or would you like ranch? And I was like, it already has marinara. Let me try some ranch. And so I tried ranch with my stuffed crust pizza. And it was like grace upon grace, glory upon glory. It was revelation. Anybody eat ranch with their pizza, give God some praise real quick in this house. Oh, y'all, too spiritual. They said, would you like peppers or would you like Parmesan? I said, more cheese in a different form? My God, give me some Parmesan. And this became the completion of perfection of a pizza for me, that you have this stuffed crust pizza, cheese pizza with Parmesan with a hint or dip of ranch. Then one day, sin entered the camp, and I went to my friend's house, and we made pizzas because it's like a bonding experience when you go to somebody's house and make the actual pizza, and you Roll out the dough. And this guy has the audacity to bring out peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, that's what I said. And apparently, you can make a peanut butter and jelly pizza. This opened my eyes to what pizza might become in the future as generations continued to compromise the well-being and integrity of the pizza. Do you know you can get a dessert pizza and they put chocolate on it with marshmallows? You can get a taco and a burrito pizza. I want the taco or the pizza. I don't want a taco pizza. You can get a macaroni and cheese pizza where they take the creamy macaroni and cheese and put it on a pizza. You can get sushi. For all you sushi lovers, you can get a sushi pizza. And the one thing I start to realize as I've seen all the evolution of pizza, I realize this is not a pizza. You're calling the dessert a pizza. It's not a pizza. It's a dessert. But you've made the toppings the main thing and the pizza the side thing. This pizza is cheese and bread. And now you have pudding on pizza. You've made the toppings the main thing and the pizza the side thing. I know in this economy, some of you have this thing we call a side hustle. And some of you start an Etsy. 
Some of you drive Uber. I had a CPA accountant who makes a ton of money. He picked me up, and we had this conversation, and uh, he was driving Uber, and he said, this is my side thing. And a side hustle is cool because 44 million Americans have a side hustle. The issue with a side hustle is when the side hustle is good enough to get you the purse and good enough to get you to one level, but it can never be the main thing. But the side hustle starts distracting from the main thing. And you don't know what the main thing is anymore because you have too many side hustles and you become distracted from the main thing. The scripture says that there's this expert in the law, and he says, hey, what's the main thing? And out of this main thing, how do I live an eternal, and how do I inherit life? And Jesus said, what does the law say? And he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as he gives them this instruction, uh, Jesus says this, he says, that's right, and if you do this, you'll live. And so you gave the right answer, but now him seeking to justify himself. And this is where we all go wrong when we seek to justify our life. When we seek to justify ourselves, we start into all of these vain philosophies. And he goes that route. And he says, well, who is? My neighbor, really. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus begins to tell this story about this man who was on a journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. And in those days, there on the side of the hill, there was rocks where thieves and bandits would hide. And this man was walking on the journey of life. And as he's walking, these thieves and these robbers, they come and they beat him and they strip his clothes and they take from him. That's what the enemy comes to do, steal, kill, and destroy. And some of you have been on this journey a, a long enough in life to know that sometimes people don't have good intentions for you and the enemy never has good intentions for you and he doesn't want to just take from you, but he wants you to live in shame and he wants to expose you and he wants to leave you half dead so you can live in the shame for a little while. And then all of a sudden, this man is beaten and robbed from and left half dead. And I can imagine as he's probably dehydrating in the sun, probably paranoid that they might come back to finish him off. Probably thinking, how am I going to take care of myself or my family because I just had all my goods stolen. Wondering how he would get well. And he probably got so excited because there was this nice priest with a nice robe on his way to worship or leaving worship and he's walking to worship and you're like, man, it is my day. Look at God's favor. The priest is coming. But the issue is the priest keeps walking. And then the Levite, which is the temple assistant, uh, he's coming and, and he sees the man and the man sees him and the man's like probably wondering in his head like, man, this is my hope. Somebody finally sees me and somebody is going to help me. And the Levite keeps walking because uh, the Levite one day wanted to become the priest and had the chance to become the priest, so he had to qualify. And if he stopped for somebody, that might mess up his ministry promotion. And he doesn't want to mess up his ministry promotion for people. 
And so he's walking, and as they're walking, they don't see him because they're in love with the system of their religion. And they love it so much. The priest, he's like, I'm not going to go over there because if I touch that person, I might become unclean and I might not be qualified for my promotion or this might mess with my ministry. I'm not going to leave. I want to preach to people, but I don't want to have coffee with people. I I, want to be seen, but I don't want to see people. I'm not willing to take my robe off because there's robbers and bandits that hurt him, and they might come and hurt me. I need a preacher or a pastor or somebody who claims to be a minister who will take your little pretty robe off and fight for souls. Hey, that was good right there. Don't need somebody serving Skittles to you and asking you what you want for your cute little green room and asking you how we can let you live most comfortably in your Christianity so you feel special. But somebody that's willing, I told you I came with a double barrel shotgun, but somebody that's willing to cross over. And so they're so in love with the the system of their religion. And maybe we look back on those days and say, man, that... That's terrible. But I think even the American church is so in love with their system. And we have a system. All of us churches, we have one. I'll tell you what the system is right now. You come to church on Sunday, and if you make it here, we'd love for you to join our membership program. And then we'd love for you to join a life group. And then we want you to start serving. And then we want you to start giving. And then we want you to tell other people to come to church on Sunday. And this is a great System, but the system cannot be the source. The system is supposed to support the journey, not become the source of the journey. And we keep falling in love with systems and churches and pastors and all these people keep falling because they're missing the main thing and they're making it a side thing. It's not about anything but Jesus and his people. This saying, you know what? The priest, he would have stopped probably if there was a camera crew so they can film a video to show the church on Sunday what they're doing so the church would give to it. If it was serve Saturday, the Levite would have been like, yeah, it's serve Saturday. Let's stop and show them and take a picture of who we're praying for today. And there's this system that religion loves and it captures people and it keeps us from the main thing and it starts causing us to focus on the side thing. We all have religious systems, whether it's in the church or in your home. But you miss and we miss the point when we start missing the main thing and start making people the side hustle. The side hustle, go to coffee so I can grow my group. You know, if someone's half dead and you're like, hey, join my life group. What if they can't join your life group because they're half dead? And I know, I know as Christians sometimes we're a little bit blind and arrogant because I know some people walked in here half dead and you can't pick up your, your, your hands and you're just like, I don't know how I even made it here. And we're like, come on, why don't you lift up your hands? Come on, why don't you say hallelujah? And you're like, I can't lift up my hands. I'm paralyzed from the pain that I've experienced on the journey that I've had. <laughs> this is what happens. These two pass them. But there's 
the Samaritan who is despised, who comes by. And he chooses to cross over. You know, I have a, a friend, and I remember he had a fake $100 bill. And he would put it in the parking lot. And he watched people cross over to go pick it up. Come on, you would too. You pick up Benjamin. You even pick up Washington. Lincoln, you'll pick him up. Because you're willing to cross over and pick up what you value. But I know some other names we didn't cross over for. And I know some other people we didn't pick up because we didn't want the ministry of inconvenience. And we didn't want our schedule to be interrupted. And we didn't want it to get in the way of who we were supposed to be and what we're supposed to come and our calling and who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. But what you value, you pick up. In fact, we, we do all these things like that's the outreach ministry's job. And we cut it out as a piece of the pie. But it's not a piece of the pie, it's the whole pie. Discipleship is not a piece of the pie, it's the whole pie, it's the whole thing. Missions is not a piece of the pie, it's the whole pie, it's the whole thing. And the Samaritan's walking and he comes off of his horse and he crosses over to begin to minister to him. As much as I want to be the good Samaritan, I'm probably, probably a little bit more like the priest or the Levite. At best, I'm probably the innkeeper. But you know who is the good Samaritan? Jesus Christ is the good Samaritan. Who came from heaven to earth and saw half-dead humanity and crossed over and came to half-dead humanity and picked them up and bandaged them and loved them back to life. He crossed over. You didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to you. You didn't accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He came and accepted you as a dirty, rotten sinner and loved you back to life. That while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us, which means when we were at our worst, he gave us his best. And he died for us because he saw us dead and he said, I'm going to take your death so you can have my life. And you're going to be able to live an abundant life because I'm going to take on your death and you're going to take on my life. I'm coming to your rescue. Your achievement and running there and getting there will not get you to me, but I'll get to you and I won't let hell hold me back. I won't let people hold me back. I won't let religion hold me back, but I'm going to get off this thing and go where you're at. I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to meet you at the club you're in. I'm going to meet you at the crack house you're in. I'm going to meet you at the business meeting you're in. I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to meet you in your adulterous affair that you're having right now. I know that I'm going to meet you where you're at. And I'm not going to be intimidated by your sin, but I'm going to die for it. And I'm going to say, hey, I got a new life for you. But I've been beaten. And now he's there and he's ministering and he's giving him wine as a sedative and bandaging his wounds up. I think that it's hard to reach people when you don't have the revelation of how Christ has reached you. And I think for a second we should reflect on how Jesus reached us. 
think we forget when we've been in church too long where Jesus brought us from. And we graduate from his goodness and we become teachers of his goodness, not continually experiencing his goodness. Because now we're the experts of the law rather than the compassionate for people. And now we know how to say love God, love people, love our neighbor as herself, but we don't actually know how to do it. Now we know how to preach to people, but we forget so easily that God has rescued and saved us. And even if you don't know Jesus, I know he's saving you because you're here today, you're watching online, and he's coming after you. And so when God does it in you, he does it to you, then he can do it through you. you know, I remember um, a few people that have done that, have crossed over for me as a child when my uh, parents had got divorced, there was a missionary that I lived by, and he had a moral failure, and he was from Argentina, and he met with me, and he said, hey, I have this Bible, and it was thick, and it was full of notes, and he said, I don't know if I'll ever use it again, but I want to give this to you, and I want to pray for you every day if you'll let me, and I want God to use your life. And he taught me uh, how to write a sermon. He said, you got to open up with a scripture, and then you have an intro, and then you have three points, and then you have a conclusion. And to this day, if you see my outline, it's three points. It's an introduction about pizza, and then it's a conclusion. Because somebody said, I'm going to love this kid and pour into them and cross over. I'm going to love people who can do nothing for me. Perhaps some of you heard the story of uh, my pastor, Pastor Hutchins, that, that uh, when I lived in Texas for a short amount of time, um, I, the church was about 40 minutes from our house, and my mom dropped me off one day, and I couldn't make it back to church. And so Pastor Hutchins, uh, the first day in a group of a uh, large church uh, of people, he ran down the aisle to meet me. And he got my, I'm like 13 years old, he got my number and then he said, hey, I'm going to follow up with you this week. And he called me that week. I'm like, man, I don't know if this guy realizes I can't pay tithes. I make zero money. And I don't have a car to actually go serve. And so uh, he came and he picked me up. And then I felt bad uh, because I realized, man, I can't put this burden on them every week. So I quit showing up. So he sends the youth leader to my house. On a Saturday, and they're knocking on my door, and I'm like, man, this is like a Jehovah Witness experience right now. I am not going to answer that door. My mom answers the door. I try to tell her to tell them I'm not here. She doesn't lie for me. She brings me down, and they're like, hey, we just really missed you, and we want to know if you, this is like stalkerish, right? We just want to let you know that, that, that we're here for you if you need anything. And I'm just like, uh, the reason I haven't been there is I haven't been able to have a ride. And they're like, don't worry, we're going to pick you up this week. And then they bring me to church and Pastor Hutchins says, from now on, I don't want to see you miss church. We're going to pick you up every week and we're going to give you a ride and we're going to make sure that you're here. So don't you worry, we're going to come pick you up. I know it's different these days. We're like, hey, you should come to my church sometime. Did you ask them if they have a ride? Hey, hope you make it there. Good luck. Hey, let's spot the high capacity people in the room and go after them. What about if you just spot the least of these and go after them? What if you 
Come on, leaders, what if you find people who can't serve on your team because they're too busy right now, but you're willing to love them when they can't love you back? What if there's someone broken here and they have nothing to offer you? Come on, business person, what if they're not going to sign up for your MLM marketing right now? Are you still willing to take them to coffee and love on them without them signing up for your system and your program? So Jesus crosses over. He bandages them up. He puts them on his own donkey. And he sets out towards the inn. And the scripture says in Luke 10, 34, I'll close with this. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The inn in those days was like a hotel, motel, holiday inn. It was a place... What are you guys thinking about? It was a place because it was known that on that road that people would get injured and hurt and broken along the way. And so this would be a place you would bring the broken and the hurting and you would bring them to this inn so they can be t- taken care of. And so they can take time to heal. That's why I pray that we're a house of grace. We're a sanctuary for people to run into and set and heal and let God minister to you in ways without expectation from us. And he took him there and he took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. God has so resourced us to be able to take care of people. And he said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. God has resourced us, but we don't have enough resources. If you're a ministry and you have enough resources, it's because you're not fulfilling God's vision. God not only requires you as individuals to stretch your faith in the area of finance, he requires the ministry, his church, his end, to stretch its faith and finances and to reach people beyond its capacity, but to reach people under the grace of God. And every dollar, this is not a financial message, but every dollar you sow in the kingdom of God, he said, don't worry, I'm going to come back and I'm going to repay you. I remember, uh, this just came to my mind, somebody told me uh, that their relative said, why do you go to that church? I used to go to that church. I used to tithe every week to that church. Why do you go to that church? After all the things that church has been through, why do you go to that church? And he told his relative, he said, I want to thank you for all the years you went and for the seat that you paid for because you paid for me and my family to sit in a seat and the fruit of what you gave is still happening whether you realize it or not. Because every dollar you spend, I'll come back and repay you. And it might be saving your family. It might be making room for somebody else. But every moment you invest, every time, there is no wasted time in the kingdom. There's no wasted resources in the kingdom. There's no wasted life in the kingdom. If you want to inherit eternal life, how do you do it? Because if you do these things, then you'll, you'll live. Would you stand to your feet? I want to do two parts here today. I want to commission the church, the leaders, the Levites, and the priests to be sure to make the main thing the main thing. Don't get caught up with titles and politics and don't get caught up with who you should be and what God's called you to be and how you should do it. Don't lose sight of the why. Don't lose sight 
of the who. Don't lose the compassion of the heart that compels you beyond the systems of the temple. Don't just give in this house, give outside of this house. Don't just worship in this house, worship outside of this house. Don't just tell people about Jesus in this house. And don't bring them to church first, bring them to Jesus. If they're ready, you don't gotta bring them here. Save them on the streets. Don't bring them here to get healed, heal them there. That's why he put bandages on them there. That's why he poured wine on them there. And then he brought them to church. You ought to be doing the work of the ministry before you ever bring them here. Don't just bring them to the inn to get healed. Start healing them where you meet them. Start sowing seed into them. Start ministering to them. Don't just have a cute, organized life group. Have, have your neighbors come over for dinner. Don't just serve in the church. Serve in your life. Serve where God's put you. And let all that you do here be a mirror for all you do out there. This is just the training ground for the believer that you're supposed to be in the world. What are we going to do? Keep filling up the chairs so we can all celebrate our Christian growth? Or are we going to make an impact and start crossing over and start reaching broken people for Jesus and start seeing His Spirit and His kingdom come and His will be done in the community and around the people that He's put us in? So I first want to pray for you who have been cold in heart, drifting in heart, kind of lost sight of the main thing. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every minister here, if you're a believer, you're a minister. You don't need a certificate. If you're a believer, you're a minister. You've been called into freedom, and this is how your freedom grows, when you serve others. Busyness of life, works of the flesh, and mammon has tried to destroy the passion in your heart for other people because it's hard to be passionate for people when you're bitter against them. It's hard to be passionate for souls when you've been hurt by people. So we go to the cross today and say, forgiveness reigns in our life. Give us your kind of love for people. Cause us to make phone calls and reach out to people and to love people. And this, and this, this next week, what we're having is just an event to give you some practice. Who am I gonna invite next week? Who am I going to bring with, not just invite, who am I going to bring with me and take to, take to lunch afterwards? And listen to the desires of their heart and minister to the need of their soul. I pray every minister be stirred in this house. That there's fire and passion in them for what is next for them. There's a settledness of the Spirit, but a burning passion. I had zeal for the house of the Lord. There's a burning passion to see souls know Jesus. We're gonna rob hell. They tra hell tried to rob us. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, so we're gonna kill, steal, and destroy back. We're gonna rob hell and destroy the works of the enemy and kill every attack and plan that he's had against us.